Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Well, hey, good morning, Lighthouse Church. This is Pastor Josh. I hope you are doing well, wherever you are tuning in from. It's another rain Sunday, and unfortunately, we weren't able to gather in person today, but we thank God that we can still gather through technology. So the next time you get to church, do me a favor. Please, please, please appreciate all of our production team who just, they just do what they do to make this all possible, and we are just so grateful for them. So let's get ready to continue on with our revival sermon series. But before we do that, let me hit you with a few quick announcements. The first one is really important. The first one matters so much because we are in the process of renovating our beautiful campus. And uh, there has been a lot of work that has already begun, but we need you one more time with another demo day. So on Saturday, the 28th of January, we have one more demo day, and this is going to be a big one. And so we're reaching out to all the men of Lighthouse Church to join us and also our women. Uh, This is definitely not just for one of the genders, but we'd love to have you with us as we demo the rest of the sanctuary because our subcontractors are coming in and we got a lot of fun stuff happening. Um, As we're recording this, our balcony has been completely rebuilt. I've been seeing pictures of the progress and it's phenomenal to see that the balcony is completely rebuilt. But we're redoing the stage. We've got flooring that needs to be done, drywall that needs to be done, painting that needs to be done. All that's going to be done by our subcontractors. But what we could really use your help with is getting it ready for the subcontractors to come in and for them to do their work. So demo day is going to be on Saturday, the 28th of January. We'd appreciate it if you would make plans to join us and um, you can let us know that you're coming so that we can prepare a meal for you that's typically our custom and uh, so we're going to have a sign up form on linktree so if you go to our instagram profile and if you click on the link there there will be an option for you to sign up and let us know that you're coming that would be huge that would be great so if you could sign up to be a part of that demo day we are just getting closer and closer to completing our sanctuary The second thing we're going to do is just lead you into our giving now. I want to thank you for your generosity. As I've said, December was a huge month for Lighthouse Church. I'm so proud. I I really am. You all are just crushing. You are doing so good. Um, Thank you for your consistent support. And thank you for believing in what God is doing here at Lighthouse Church. I believe that our generosity really reflects Um, It really reflects that, that we together as a church have bought in to what Lighthouse Church is doing here in the city of Vista and in the greater North County. And 2023 is going to be a big year. So for those of you that already uh, faithfully support us through your tithe and your offering, again, thank you. Um, But uh, for those of you that are tuning in that maybe you've not yet taken that step, well, I'd ask you to prayerfully consider taking that step. And the way that we do this here at Lighthouse Church is we'll never, never try to pressure you to give, but we will unapologetically ask you to have a conversation with God, have a conversation with your spouse, pray over it. And whatever God would have you to give, we just would encourage you to respond to what God is leading you to do. So thank you in advance for your generosity and thank you so much for your commitment. In a minute, I'm going to pray for you, uh, but I'm going to segue into our sermon. And um, before I speak, 
in our sermon. I'm going to pray for the offering, pray for the word. We'll wrap it all together. And I'm excited. So you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's dive in. Let's start off with uh, a passage of scriptures in Genesis chapter 26. We're actually going to do a lot of Bible reading right now, all right? So if you did not get your Bible reading in during the week, follow along because we're going to get a lot of Bible reading in right now. So go with me to Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 4. It reads as follows. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and confirm the oath that I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Now let's jump down to verse 12 and continue on in Genesis chapter 26. So Isaac planted crops in that land. And the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Isaac became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. All right, last passage of scripture. Same chapter, chapter 26. Let's go to verses 19 through 22. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. So he named the well Asek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in this land. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that the Lord gave me as we continue our series on revival. And this thought is simply entitled, the good fight, the good fight. Hey, let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to dive into your word together. And God, as I record this message, I just pray that you would touch every person that is listening in, whether they are at home or listening back later on the podcast, however it is, Father, that they are hearing this message. I pray, God, that your word do what you have set it out to do, that what we are doing here tonight in a studio that your Holy Spirit would work through it and do exactly what you needed to do in the hearts of everybody that calls Lighthouse Church their home and those that are listening in online. Now, Father, we also ask a blessing over every person that is given, for every person that has just been faithful in their generosity and sowing. I pray a blessing over them, a blessing over their homes, a blessing over their finances. Let everything that they put their hand to do be blessed. We thank you, God, for this season that we are in together at Lighthouse Church building your kingdom, make proclaiming your gospel and making your name known. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, let's dive in. So if you've been with us for any period of time here at Lighthouse Church, you know that I love to start my sermons with a story. And now a lot of my stories are about my upbringing in the church. For those of you that don't know, or those of you that are new, or for certainly those of you that have heard time and time again, 
I grew up in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And what that means is there was a lot of rules. There was a lot of things we were not supposed to do. And I like to make lighthearted fun of it, but I gotta be honest with you. There are some things from that moment that have so deeply marked my life. And if you came out of that same organization or that type of movement, you're gonna know what I am talking about. And one of the things that has really marked my life coming out of that organization, out of that movement of Christianity, is that it really taught me how to pray. Yes, how to pray. But, but let me walk you through how this typically went down. This is, again, my youth, okay? Um, we didn't have youth group. So Lighthouse students, you guys gather on Wednesday. You guys are having pizza. You're playing dodgeball. You're having all kinds of fun. That's not what mine looked like. We, we didn't have youth group like that. What we had was a midweek choir practice. Yes, the highlight of what we did as a youth group was choir practice. You see, we had a youth choir that sung every single Sunday. And so once a week, that is what we did. We gathered to rehearse to prepare for Sunday. That was our version of youth group. So Lighthouse students, you have it really good. I hope you appreciate just how hard your youth pastors, Pastor Peter and Ruthie, work to provide an, an amazing experience for you during the week. So at choir practice, and what does this even have to do with prayer? Well, at our choir practices, um, when we were done rehearsing, we would always go into prayer. Now, now, I'm not saying every youth group was like this, but my youth group was like this. We would always have a time of prayer. And, 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 and these prayers went long. I'm not talking about, let's, let's just pray that we sing okay on Sunday. I mean, we pressed in to the presence of God. I mean, these moments were marked by people being slain in the spirit, people uh, praying in other tongues. This moment was marked by maybe people having visions or hearing prophetic voices or the interpretation of tongues. I mean, th this was just a normal night for my youth group after choir practice. Now, 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 part of the bad stuff was if you left choir practice and stayed for prayer, they kind of judged you. I'm not saying that was good, but we learned how to pray. We learned how to chase after the presence of God. And that's one of the amazing, incredible things about my youth. It's one of the moments that um, I will always look back on and say, you know, thank God for that. Now, now, now I say all of that. And what I really want to get into today is um, that experience taught me some things and it gave me moments that I carry with me today. And there's also some moments here in Genesis 26 that I want you to look at as we see this story about Isaac and him fighting over wells in the Valley of Gerar. So let's talk about it. In the 26th chapter of Genesis, Isaac is fighting for the wells. But, but before we get to that fight about the wells, let's really peel back the text and see how this begins. G chapter 26 of Genesis begins with Isaac being told by God, he, he hears from God, God said, do not go down to Egypt. Now, this is important. Everybody was going to Egypt. Famine had hit the land. Famine had hit the land that Isaac lived in. And Isaac, as the patriarch, the head of his household, he had to do what he had to do. And everybody was going to Egypt. And God said to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Now, we here in Southern California, we can't relate to a famine. We can't relate to the impact. We can't relate to the sort of burden that Isaac, as the head of his home, was carrying. When a famine hit, that typically meant there was a drought 
um, it, it, it meant something was happening with the land where they couldn't grow crops or maybe animals were scarce. But, but whatever it was, their very livelihood depended on the land, the animals, crops, seed time, harvest. And, and, and when famine hit, there really was only one thing you could do. You had to go to a part of your region that was not being heavily impacted by famine. And yet, while everybody was going to Egypt, God said to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Now, this is important. And then let me give you um, why this is so consequential. What we know about Isaac's dad, Isaac's dad is Abraham. And there's a song that we sing about him in children's church growing up. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Uh, many of you know that song. Uh, but, but when we think about Abraham, the Bible says he's the father of faith. Abraham was the father of faith. He became the father of faith because whenever God told Abraham to do something, Abraham did it. He was obedient to the voice of God. So much so that when God told Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him unto me. Abraham listened to God. Now, now listen, I, I'm a father and I have three boys whom I deeply love. If God ever told me to sacrifice my son, that would be a big, big, big test. And yet Abraham passed that test with flying colors. Um, if you don't know the story, he didn't end up sacrificing his son but he got really close. He had his son on the altar. He had the knife up in midair when finally God said, okay, you can stop now. Now I know that you will listen to me. So as great as that was for Abraham, listen to me, your parents cannot hand down obedience for you. Isaac could not inherit obedience from his father, Abraham. Even though Abraham's life is marked by a life of obedience, Isaac had to learn obedience for himself. I'll say that again. Isaac had to learn obedience for himself. And every single one of us in our life is going to be tested in the area of obedience. And how we respond to obedience will reveal our spiritual growth. Earlier this week, I shared this snippet of a book that I am reading to our pastors. It's by the author, John Bevere, and he wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. And I want to read to you a passage from it. John Bevere wrote this. Physical growth is a function of time. Intellectual growth is a function of learning. Spiritual growth is neither a function of time nor learning, but spiritual growth is a function of obedience. When God tests us, and he will place us in moments where our faith will be tested. It is up to us to obey God and therefore, and thereby, spiritually mature. That is how we grow in our faith. And so there are a few things that do obedience demands of us. And I want to give you those three things that obedience demands of us. And this is all from the story that we just learned in Genesis chapter 26. Number one, and again, if you're writing notes, write this down. Obedience is going to demand that we not follow everyone else. Obedience will demand that we do not follow everyone else. What you need to know about God is God is not subject to the economies of this world. 
when the world was in famine, when Isaac's region of the world was in famine, everybody was going down to Egypt. They said, leave this land. And God looked at Isaac and said, you know what? Don't go down to Egypt. I want you to go to the Valley of Gerar. And I'm going to bless you in that land. I'm going to bless you even though everyone is going to Egypt. And I think that's very indicative of what happens to us as followers of Jesus. The whole world is going in a certain direction. And then God will say, but that's not where I have you going. God will say, that's not the direction that I want you to run in. And so what we have got to do is tune our ears to the voice of God. And when God asks us to do something, even when it goes against the grain, will you obey? Will you listen to him? Lighthouse, I hope to God that through this fast, there would be moments that you would be leaning in and asking God, what do you want for me and my family to do? I know culture is doing this. I know society is going this way. Hey, I know some people in the church are going this way, but what is your unique assignment on my life? What is the thing that you are calling me to do? Because obedience, obedience will knock at your door and say, I want you to run in a different direction than everyone is running in. And so what we have to do is we have to be concerned with being obedient to God more than we are concerned with blending in with the crowd. So again, what does obedience demand of us? Number one, that we would not follow everyone else. The second thing that obedience is going to demand of us is that we would listen to the voice of God. Obedience is going to demand that we would listen to the voice of God. When God spoke to Isaac and told him to go to Gerar, it wasn't going to be a pit stop. I want you to get that. He said, I want you to go to Gerar. I want you to stay there. Don't just pass through. Go to Gerar and I want you to put down roots. I want you to go to Gerar and you're going to stay there for a long period of time. I know everyone's running down to Egypt, but that's not what I have for you, Isaac. And I don't want you to go to Gerar and get tempted to leave. I don't want you to go to Gerar and run at the first sign of opposition. And as we read in the text, he had some opposition. But the Bible says that he told him, you're going to go to Gerar and you remain there. And don't even stick around there until the famine is over and then come back. I didn't say that. I said go to Gerar and stay there for a while. So that's exactly what Isaac did. What I love about Isaac's example is not only did he follow the voice of God and go to Gerar, But the Bible said he planted crops. Again, we we don't live in an agrarian society, so we, we don't know the implications of what that means. But let me kind of unpack this for you. Let me get you thinking about what it meant to plant crops. If Isaac planted crops, here's what he had committed himself to. Well, first he committed himself to working the land. You have to break up the ground if you intend to plant seeds. So he had to toil the land. He had to do the hard work of getting the land ready for seed. And then he planted the seed. And then he's got to carry water to where the seed is. There's a famine going on. Water is precious. But Isaac is so invested in this word of God. He is so invested in obeying God that he is doing the hard work of preparing the ground, planting the seed, watering the seeds, and then waiting. You guys know what I'm talking about. You don't plant a seed and see Uh, You don't see it start to sprout the next day. No, there's time that passes. But, But Isaac was being obedient to the voice of God. He stayed in the land until God told him to move. He did not leave. And, and, and let me 
let me lean in on that. Because so many times I've heard people say, you know, God called me to this. And then we walk away before he has called us out of it. Listen to me, Lighthouse. If God called you to it, you can't leave it until he says it's time for you to go. If God led you to something, you cannot leave until he says you are done. Not when you say you're done. Not, not just when it's no longer convenient. Not when it's painful. But, but when he says you're done. But Isaac heard the voice of God. He responded to the voice of God and he stayed in that land and, and, and he prospered in the land. The Bible says that as he planted those crops, he reaped a harvest that was a hundredfold. Now, here's the last thing that I want you to write down when it comes to obedience. So number one, it's going to demand us not to follow everyone else. Number two, it's going to demand that we listen to his voice. And here's the third part. Kind of already talked about it a bit, but let's lean in on it. You stay until you are released. You stay until God says you can go. Now the Bible records that when he began to be prospered and he got a 100-fold blessing, the Bible then says that the Philistines got jealous. And when they got jealous, they went to the well and they closed it up with earth. That means they stopped the water source. The, that source of water that was key to the blessings and the harvest and, and everything that he had received, they went and they, they clogged it up. But he didn't leave. Even, even when it got tough, even when it got uncomfortable, the Bible says he just shifted to another part of Gerar. He said, okay, well, if I can't stay in this part of Gerar, I'll go down to the valley region. And the Bible records that when he went down to that valley region, he dug a well and then the shepherds came and fought with him. And so they closed that well up and he opened up another well and then the shepherds came and fought with him some more. So then he had to open up a third well. And finally, when he got to that third well, they left him alone. And now I want to get to the last part. I've talked to you a whole lot about obedience, but there's something to learn about the wells and there's something to learn about what Isaac was doing. You see, when Isaac made the decision to stay, he he also accompanied that by getting into a bit of a fight. It was a good fight though. You see, he opened up the well that his father Abraham had dug. And when he opened up that well, he began to be blessed. And when he moved into the Valley of Gerar, he begins to open up these wells. And as he opened up these wells, they began to fight with him. Now I want you to think about this for a second. If when he opened up that well, it began to prosper him, why would the Philistines demand to fill the well? Why wouldn't the Philistines just say, Isaac, you've got to go and we're going to come and take over and we want to now take advantage of this well? Well, well here's my thoughts. I believe the Philistines had already come around this well and yet they did not reap any sort of blessing that Isaac reaped. I believe that the well that Isaac tapped into was a well that his father dug and therefore the blessing was only for that family. The Philistines couldn't receive that blessing because that was not their well. They had not dug that well. Because they had not dug that well, they could not receive the blessing that came from the result of the water that came out of that well. But Abraham received the blessing that came out of that well. Isaac received the blessing when he opened up that well. And every time he opened up another well, he was blessed and they fought with him.
Every time Isaac opened up a well, they began to, 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 to contend with him for those wells. And there's an incredible lesson that we need to learn here. You see, the Bible uses water as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. All throughout the Bible, there are, there are different things. They could be locations, it can be numbers, it can be um, regions, and, 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 and oftentimes names, and, and they carry such weight with them. Well, water throughout the Bible is always a type of the Holy Spirit. This is why in John chapter 7, verse 38, it says this of water. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That's John chapter 7, verses 38. It says, rivers of water will flow from within them. That's talking about the Holy Spirit now living in us, and it is likened to water flowing within us. Let me take you to Ezekiel chapter 47. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 47 had a vision of waters flowing down from the temple. This was a prophetic vision of the Holy Spirit that would be eventually poured out on followers of Jesus. And now, just a very, very natural example, baptism. When you think about water baptism, we do that in the water. There is a new birth experience that accompanies being placed into a water, submerged in water, and brought out of the water. And so water carries deep spiritual significance of the Holy Spirit. So here in Genesis, as Isaac is redigging the wells, you need to see that this is a metaphor that Isaac was once again tapping into the flow of the Holy Spirit that his father had tapped into. Now, people who want to come in and tap into a flow of the Holy Spirit for a well that they have not dug will not reap the benefit of having dug that well themselves. What that means is there is a certain labor involved that you and I, Lighthouse Church, when we pray, when we fast, when we seek the presence of God, there is a reward called the move of the Holy Spirit that you only experience when you labor through prayer, when you labor through fasting. No, I'm not talking about works. None of this saves us. We are saved by grace through faith. But when you have moved beyond simply salvation and now you are moving on to the deeper things where you say, God, I don't want to just be, I don't, I don't just want your Holy Spirit guiding my life into all truth. That is necessary. That is needing. But there comes a point in the, uh, there comes a point in time in the believer's life when you want to flow together with the Holy Spirit. When you are saying, God, I want the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through me. I want to be able to move in sync with your Holy Spirit. I want to be able to open up a well. And when I open up a well, that it would be a source of life, not just for me, but that I might be able to open up my voice and speak what your spirit is saying. And there's some authority there that when I pray for someone and if they're sick, they will be healed. When, that, that I can walk into a room with someone that is bound and they could receive deliverance. I'm talking about people that have pressed into the Holy Spirit. And it has opened up a well of authority. It has opened up a well that gives you the, the, that gives you the ability to walk as Christ's ambassadors here on this earth, not only declaring the good works of Christ, but manifesting the very things that Christ manifested while he was here on earth. This is all a metaphor of the wells. This is all a metaphor of what Isaac was having to contend with. The Philistines fought over these wells because they could not receive this same blessing. 
The Philistines fought over these wells because they knew that this well belonged to Isaac's father. And Isaac knew that if I can tap into that same source of power, I can receive that same blessing that my father experienced. I want you to hear me well, Lighthouse Church. I began talking about obedience because I believe revival hinges on our obedience to what God leads us to do. You cannot have a revival if you are disobedient to what God is leading you to do. And I hope to God that um, we have as a church postured ourselves to hear from him. And when he beckons us to do something that we obey, because it begins with obedience, just like Isaac obeyed the voice of God. But beyond that, he did not just go into the land that God called him to go into. But while he was in that land, he began to open up the wells of his father. I'm going to close with this. You might be asking, okay, Pastor Joshua, you want me to open up wells, wells that can only be opened with prayer and fasting and, and seeking the presence of God. How exactly does the enemy jam up this well? If, if the Philistines are an analogy toward the enemy, they're, they're feeling they are, they are filling the wells with dirt and with earth. I, I want that to be really an indicator of how the enemy comes and he attacks our lives. And here's what I mean. The enemy today, the way that he has so crippled the church has been very simple. He has been able to cripple the church simply by distracting the church. I, I, I think that um, attacks and opposition and warfare are real. But I think that the enemy is so subtle that he knows if I can just distract the church, I've moved them off of mission. And I think that every time he distracts us with social media, he's, he distracts the church with, with things that we really shouldn't be engaged with when, when we're binging out on shows and, and on, on, on uh, streaming channels and, and, and really spending an inordinate amount of time chasing things that aren't moving us in the direction of Christ, that aren't moving us in the direction of our calling, that are not moving us in the direction of God's purpose in our life. We are being distracted. And what the enemy is doing is he is filling a well. He is filling a well. And the only way that we are going to move, walk in the authority that God has called us to walk in is we have got to open up these wells. We have got to push past the distractions. We've got to create space for God in our lives. I am so grateful for 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm so grateful for every person that is on this journey of prayer and fasting together with us. Do you want to know what you're doing, Lighthouse? You're digging a well. You're opening up the flow of the spirit in your life. You are opening up the flow of the spirit in your home. You are opening up this flow of the spirit in your ministry. Anything that you put your hand to do, there is a flow of water. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit that's coming behind you. And so my prayer today as I wrap this up is that lighthouse would be obedient to what God has called us to do and that we would dig the wells. I know it's going to be a fight. I know you're going to face opposition, but this is a good fight. This is a fight worth having. This is a fight that you should pursue. Lighthouse, let me pray for you as uh, we wind down our time together. I want to thank you for attention. I want to thank you for leaning in today. And um, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. My prayer today is that you would have heard this word and that God's word would be deposited deep in your heart and that you would respond in the way 
that God is leading you to respond. Let me bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for every person that is tuned in, whether on podcasts, YouTube, or however it is that they're hearing this message, God. I thank you for them. I thank you, God, for them leaning in, for their eagerness to consume, Lord God, your word. And I just pray, God, that this word would do what you have set it out to do. While we're recording in a studio with really no way of knowing where you're going to take this message, we trust, God, that your word will always accomplish what you have set it out to do. So bless everyone that is hearing this, Lord God. I pray that they would be led to do their next step, that you would give them the boldness and the strength to take the next step that you are calling them to take. I pray that you, Lord God, would bless every family, bless all of our lighthouse homes. And we especially want to take a moment, God, to pray for everyone in the state of California that have been so impacted by this rain and the flood. And we've really just got a small portion of what has been happening up and down the state, but we lift them up. We pray for every family that's been affected, every family where there's been loss, loss of property or loss of loved ones. God, we just lift up this state and that you be with us during this time. Father, thank you once again for your goodness and for your grace. And I bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today, Lighthouse. We can't wait to see you next Sunday. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.